Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome to the broadcast, everybody. It's so good to have you here. No question, this is an that spring is springing. Spring has sprung down here. It feels like it anyway down in central Texas. But for those up north, oh man! And then a wetness on the west coast, flying to that this afternoon. And then it's cold and uh, snow up in the north. But man, good to be nice and warm down here. Uh, good to have you with us. It's Monday, February 9th. Appreciate you all being in the broadcast. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. It's good to have you all with us. Today's hot topic. Boy, is this going to be an interesting one. I I'm, I'm just can't wait. I, I tune into my own broadcast just to get updated on all that's going on. We have Andy Shell, the profit doctor, talking about the latest proposed financial rules for non-banks. And this is the FHFA, the agency that oversees Fannie and Freddie. It's their proposal. So we're going to pay attention to what implications this has. You're going to want to stay tuned. This is going to be very interesting broadcast. Anytime we have the Prophet Doctor on, he's sharing his wisdom with us. It's always interesting, as well as all our other guests, regular guests. Uh, let's say a big thank you to United Guarantee for their sponsoring the broadcast. Continue to do so. Really appreciate them doing that. There's some things to keep in mind when considering FHA. United Guarantee's pricing is more attractive than FHA's for most products and borrowers. FHA insurance on new loans with LTVs greater than 90% cannot be canceled. FHA insurance premium could be as much as three times the cost of United Guarantee's MI over the life of the loan. Very important when you're considering which product to put in front of the consumer. Also, you look at what United Guarantee can offer is in the way of faster and less complicated closings because the company reduces the need for FHA appraisals. And it's easier for the seller to meet the inspection requirements. Big issue, can be a big issue in FHA loans, as you all know. United Guarantee offers more premium payment choices, including borrower-paid, single, and monthly plans, as well as lender-paid options. For more information, go check out their website at www.ug, as United Guarantee, ugcorp.com. Or go to our website in the upper right-hand corner, click on their logo, and it'll bring you right to the UGCorp.com website. Mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. Appreciate them being a sponsor. Also, great sponsor and partner in this broadcast is is Velma. Our favorite guys out there is Catherine and Brent at Velma. Velma is V-E-L-M-A.com. Check it out. stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. Great company if you want to get the word out to your borrowers, your consumers, people that are in your mailing list, whether you're a vendor, whether you're a radio program like us, or or however you're connecting with people. They do a great job of getting the right information to the right people and doing so in a way that's very compelling. For those of you that receive our email about the broadcast, it's Velma that drives that. We're very grateful to them for their sponsorship 
and their partnerships. Good to have you with us, everybody. Also, I want to say always a special thank you to our regular contributors, Alice, Joe, and Andy, for all that they do to make this broadcast so compelling, so powerful. Uh, it's the number one reason people listen to this broadcast, the information of what we're giving about what's going on in the industry. Quick update. I just talked to Jeff Schumer at uh, MBA. Jeff has just uh, wrote, emailed me and then called me and said, Dave, if it's word possible to get the word out about the Mortgage Banking Bound webinar. I'm really excited about this program. I've got a 23-year-old daughter, and she's at that place in her life going, what do I want to be when I grow up? And so I love mortgage banking. I'd love to have everyone in my family get involved in it. Uh, not that they will, but I like it. I like the thought of them doing so. But here's the deal. What I want you to do is check out the website, www.mortgagebankingbound.com. If you have someone that's in the college years or out of the college years looking for a career, you can sign up for this webinar. I think it's $249. Have them sign up for it. I'm paying for my daughter to go through it. And have them go through it because it's a series of webinars talking about our industry and making people aware. It really helps people that are considering a career in the mortgage industry, or maybe they're already in the industry but like a good, wholesome understanding about what the industry is about, this is a great webinar to sign up for. And uh, so be sure to check it out. Go to www.mortgagebankingbound.com. Really like this idea of dra bringing, dragging, that's the wrong choice of words, enticing, drawing in, drawing in is a better word, drawing into our industry, the younger generation, the millennials, to get them involved in our inter industry I believe in this industry. I, le I love what it does for the lives of people. And uh, so go out and check it out. Also, the National Mortgage Servicing Conference is coming up in Dallas, February 23rd through the 26th. We also have the Midwinter Housing Finance Conference coming up March 4th through the 7th in Avon, Colorado. And uh, just so much information, so much going on across the industry. And uh that's the update there. I'm trying to think if there's anything I forgot, but uh, if I'll think of it, I'll interrupt later if we do. But Joe Farr, good to have you on the broadcast, as you are always. Now, I tried to hey, cover Dave. your segment last week because I know you were gone at the secondary conference. Right, and right. Um, uh, I wanted to hear, get a report. How? Uh, I don't know. You have to ask our listeners. <laughs> I have to Allison. Joe. I, I do my best. I, you know, I study your website so much. I got to the point where I'm starting to feel like I can almost communicate reasonably intelligently about it. Uh, but um, but how was the seminar, Joe? I mean, the conference. Up there. It was good. It was good. Uh, I got to connect with a lot of uh, our subscribers from around the state. But we had more than you know. This is growing into a, a into a regional secondary conference. So uh, we had people from all over. Had a very good attendance and uh, great speakers. So it's a, a very worthwhile couple of days. Glad to hear it. Well, give us a report of what's going on today. I've got your website up here, so I got a sneak peek. But uh, give us yeah. a rundown of what's happening and what's on the well, calendar, what happened last week, and what we got coming up this week. We we've been up all day today, which is good. Following a couple, following a very bad week last week, which I'll get to. But uh, yeah, uh, over overnight news coming out of Greece uh, uh, seemed to cause a little uncertainty, and it pushed. Uh, prices higher early and we've we've managed to hold between up four and up eight thirty seconds most of the day right now we're up four uh, uh you know so greece is getting back in the news as we uh have talked about mm -hmm. recently uh their president's holding a pretty firm line on what he thinks uh how much he thinks they'll compromise and and it doesn't sound like much but i think ultimately uh they'll get something worked out but certainly there are growing concerns that if if things don't get worked out, it could create a good bit of uncertainty in the market. So 
um, yes. keep an eye on that. So, uh, hey, can I interject right on that? Can yeah. I interject on that note? I was talking to Tony Moss, who we've had on this broadcast, who is again probably the number one consultant to all the ministers of finance in Europe, and she is very, very concerned about this. And she's sounded, and I don't want to quote her on this, but I got the impression that she doesn't think Greece is going to turn the corner and comply enough, and that there's a good chance there is a possibility. She's not saying it will happen, but there's a possibility that they may not be a part of the. Uh, European community, uh, and if that happens, it's going to have dramatic effect, just as you said. So she's, yeah. again, looking at it more of the glass-half-empty standpoint, um, but it's this is something to be paying attention to. It can have a dramatic impact, and uh, we may have to have a, a broadcast just on explaining why world events are going to have and could have such a big impact this year on uh, the market. I'd love to get Tony Moss anyway. on here. Yeah, we will get her. She would love to come back on. She's a good friend. I'm sure I can have her back on. She'd love to give us some yeah. perspective. But sometimes when she does, I've had some people go, oh, my God, it's like the sky's falling. So it's always, uh, you know, she, she, but she has a very good, accurate perspective on it. So it's not, that's not that far off. Anyway, yeah. let's talk about what I, we, what happened last week. Yeah, last week was a tough one for mortgage rates. Uh yeah, we'd had such a nice improvement the week prior that uh, early in the week we gave some of that back just because, you know, prices had gone so high so fast, I, I believe. Not a lot of news came out early in the week, and we still lost ground uh, pretty big on, on, I believe it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday last week. And then again, uh, we lost ground on Friday when the jobs report came out. By now, mm-hmm. most everyone knows it was a blockbuster announcement. Uh, MBS prices, uh, you know, over the whole week fell uh, over 1%. Mortgage rates rose 15 basis points or so. Uh, about half that coming on Wednesday uh, early in the week, and half that after the jobs report came out. But in the jobs report, what question uh, on the question? On the question, did the week end out net positive or net negative for uh, interest rates? Interest rates went you up about fifteen the, basis points. So it, it, on, on the week overall, okay. Good. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Um, so in January, the jobs report. Showed, you know, by now everyone knows two hundred and fifty-seven thousand for the for the month. Uh, the bigger thing is that over the last three months they've generated over a million jobs. You know, three hundred thirty-six thousand dollar average uh, over the last three. That's the most since uh, late nineties, and uh, you know that that degree of new employment has created some confidence that's caused more people to come in and start looking again for work, which is the reason that the jobs, the, the unemployment rate went up a little bit. But, you know, sort of in a good way, unemployment rate went up because uh, truly more people think now is a good time to start looking. Um, then the other thing the report included was a 2.2% wage growth on an annualized basis in, in January. Now, that was faster than 1.7% in December. And some of that, um, uh, Dan was telling me, is associated with... Uh, Several states employing a higher minimum wage requirement, but nonetheless, it's uh, faster growth, and uh, you know it's got to be concerning as it relates to long-term uh, interest-based assets. Uh, other than the jobs report, there were really no big surprises last week uh, in the economic data. Now, this week we have the JOLT report tomorrow, and uh, we yeah. have retail sales on Thursday. We have treasury auctions on. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I believe the ten years on Wednesday, and uh, consumer sentiment. First look at that in uh, on Friday. So uh, it's a fairly light week. 
keep an eye on what goes on in Greece and and also in the Ukraine. You know, that's coming back on the radar as, as uh, you know, the discussions are should people help uh, the Ukraine army fight back the uh, the you know the Russian uh, supported militants, not militants, but yeah. So everyone have to keep an eye on on those two world events as well as uh, uh, some of the local economic news. Lots and lots of stuff out there to be paying attention to. I want to call everyone's attention to an article that was published by Jim Clifton. He is the CEO and chairman of the Gallup poll. And he wrote an article that was released released last week that really caught some people's attention. It's titled, The Big Lie, colon, 5.6% unemployment. Now, he's not saying that the books are cooked, but he's when that number came out, Joe, he was out there making some really strong statements. And it's not like he needs any notoriety. Gallup poll is probably one of the most celebrated out there. And he came on one program and says, yeah, I wish I had reworded that because it's gotten a lot, gotten him in a lot of flack. But he says this number is uh, is misleading. So I think we're going to be very interested to see what the JOLTS report has tomorrow. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Check out that article. Go to Gallup. Uh, you can search The Big Lie, uh, Jim Clifton, and you'll see it pop up. He's all the interviews on it if you always want to reach, research that article. But it's really, really interesting. So uh, fascinating that the chairman of Gallup felt the need to come out and publish on the, his blog. So interesting stuff. So good stuff. We've got yeah, Paul Mollo on the queue. tomorrow. Yeah, go ahead. Pardon? I was saying Jolts is at 10 o'clock tomorrow. 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock tomorrow. So we'll be paying... Ten o'clock. We'll be paying close attention to that to see if uh, if Jim Clifton's article is uh, if it's substantiated by that at all. I suspect that's a complicated report. This complicated topic, but I think it's an interesting article. So pay attention to it, listeners. Okay, we got Paul Mallow lined up right after the break. We'll be right back with him. I love to hear what he has to say and what's going on. Check it out at www.imfnews.com, but also find out more about what MBS Quote Line's about. Stay tuned. Listen to this. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quoteland delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quoteline, delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quoteline today at MBS mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lickin' on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you back, everybody. Uh, everyone knows what MBS Quoteline's about. What I meant is to get signed up. Listen to that ad. Anyway, check them out, uh, mbsquoteline.com. We've got Paul Malawan of www Inside Mortgage Finance or imfnews.com. Paul, good to have you on the broadcast. Uh, Look at some of your headlines in your w- website, by the way. It's good stuff. Always interesting. Um, why don't we do a quick rundown here? It's good to have you with us. It's good morning. Well, thanks for having me. It's um, there's no heat in our building. That's big news. But I don't think I don't think your viewers want to know. About oh my it God! And what's what? Are you got a big snowstorm coming in there too? Don't you? Or is it? Uh, is it there? No, it's rain. It We're lucky. What? We're lucky. We're in oh, okay. we're in the Mid Atlantic in DC. Uh, we we got rain here, uh, and uh, but uh, I guess New England and upstate New York is going to get smacked pretty good. 
Uh, but anyway, people aren't here. I wasn't about to weather. No heat there, though. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Fine. But uh, anyway, the lead story is one of our data stories by Brandon Ivey. Apparently, uh, we did our final ranking for the full year. First Republic was the top contributor to Jumbo MBS last year with more than twice the volume. I found sorry, that what? interesting. I found that really yeah. interesting. Yeah, actually, well, number two is pretty interesting, one. too. Uh, First Republic contributed $1.46 billion. New Penn was number two with about $688 million. That's the mortgage company controlled in part by um, MBS Godfather. Yeah, Lou Ranieri. So speak, Lou Ranieri. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting. Lou keeps growing that shop, and uh, First Republic obviously is a depository. They don't. Uh, they don't put everything into securities, but uh, you know they are the biggest lender who's you know having their product wind up in MBS. And uh, you know the jumbo market is just one of these things where people keep scratching their head, just wondering, you know, why isn't this thing taking off? And, and the obvious reason a lot of uh, the insiders know is, of course, you know the, the price for jumbos in the whole loan market is just wonderful. <laughs> and why why should you mm-hmm. securitize them? So that's you know until that changes. You know, we'll still see volume in the securitization, but it's it's never going to take off till banks find something else to invest in besides, you know, 30-year or 15-year loans or IOs that yield 4%. And, you know, heck, remember the old days, 4% wasn't a good yield. Now it's wonderful. <laughs> so, you know, that's, that's what I find so amazing. Yeah, you got to put this stuff in perspective. I mean, 4% on a, on a billion dollars is a lot of money. And uh, it's you know it's a safe yield uh, somewhat, and uh, you know Treasuries what's a ten year paying? Um, you and Joe talked about a little bit one point nine. I think it's up to one point nine. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, we have a story about mortgage employment. Uh, it was basically flat in December. The the mortgage numbers always uh, follow or trail the national numbers by a month. So we have the end of December as opposed to the end of January. Uh, we talked to a couple of um, uh, companies that are hiring, and one interesting thing, uh, tidbit we put out there, uh, there's a lot of LOs who are reluctant to, lo- to leave right now because they're making, uh, they're, they have big pipelines, and they're due to make mm-hmm. some nice fat commissions. So why are you going to jump ship, even if you have a great offer? Uh, so you got to work those things out with whoever's recruiting you. Uh, so that's, that's right. a bit interesting. Uh, Brandon Ivey, our, our Cub reporter out in the West Coast, he's uh, out at ABS uh, East, and he's been reporting on a few things, one of which is there's com- some complaints about investors in vintage uh, non-agency MBS who are sort of frustrated with the lack of uh, servicing transparency. Uh, he'll be bringing more news from that show uh, throughout the week. Uh, also, Brandon also filed a nice story about a pending jumbo MBS from Credit Suisse, which is dinged a bit. Uh, not not too bad, but the, the apparently, you know, Credit Suisse is looking at all these originators, and there's 46 different lenders in this new security. And, you know, I guess they're still not quite comfortable with the fact that some of these guys are small to medium-sized non-banks that, you know, just aren't, you know, on the map yet. And so there's right. more credit enhancement on that deal than some of the other ones. Uh, Interactive Mortgage Advisors, they're out in uh, in the market with a new MSR package. Uh, it's a small uh, package, $111 million. It's Fannie uh, servicing rights with no delinquencies. I understand there's a lot more uh, MSR deals that are going to hit the market in the next month or two, so that's an interesting area to watch. Uh, also, in the short take se- section, uh, real, one real quick note, we talked to Michael Lau, who runs Pingora. Michael's been around for quite a while. He started that up in yes, Gore two or three years ago. He was the deal maker at Phoenix Capital that was helping Bank of America sell all its you know, three or four hundred billion dollars in MSRs. So Michael's out there with Bingora. They've been raising money. 
interestingly enough, and within two and a half years, he's already up to forty billion dollars in MSRs. Uh, that's a pretty wow. phenomenal. You know, that's that's a pretty fast gain for a company that didn't exist yeah. two years ago. Uh, so that's a that's a fascinating story to watch. So that is all the interesting stuff. Uh, so if you have any questions, shoot. Well, we appreciate uh, your following up on this and bringing this on top of us. I'm really interested in Quicken. Um, uh, that is just one of those things t- companies that I just pay close attention to. I really like how. Bill Emerson manages that and the vision of that. So, yeah, I love love the stories on Quicken. A lot of people, you know, look at yeah, them. Yeah, they're with a big Indy contributor and, to Jumbo too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah, an interesting is growth a too. Story. Yeah, yeah. Their their costs are low. They keep a, they're well managed. I mean, the JD Powers is not a bogus uh, survey. I mean, they they nail it for <laughs> servicing and origination. I mean, some people say, "Ah, oh, that's that. You can buy what you can buy any server you want." Well, I don't, that one you take care. That's I mean, it's a legitimate survey, and they do a good job on it. So, anyway, right. I appreciate that, Paul. It's good stuff to have you here. Sure. Always appreciate you contributing, and uh, have a good rest of the week. Hope you get your thank heat you. on there, friend. Yeah, thank that's you. Always <laughs> a important thing. Water the running, to... toilets flushing, and uh, heat on is key ingredients to secure wonderful, happy workers. I appreciate you. you, man. Have a good rest of the week. Thank you. Right. you too. Well, let's get you bet. Let's get over to Alice Alvey. Alice, it was great having lunch with you, or dinner with you last week when I was in cold, cold Detroit. I landed there and I go, my toes just got cold as soon as I hit the we hit the tarmac there. So, anyway, it's good to have you with us. What you got for us today? Well, you know, it's uh, just as we thought Congress might be pretty quiet this year on the mortgage front. We did have three bills hit. Uh, two in the House and one in the Senate, nothing monumental, so we don't have anything major going on. Uh, and a few that, uh, and one in particular is really just about manufactured housing. So we have House Bill 650, uh, clearly a bill that's been pushed by the manufactured housing community because they're trying to get their name off the list of people who have to be licensed. I do have to admit, as when I have folks from manufactured housing in our training class for the 20-hour those poor, poor folks have to pass this test, learn all this info, and they really don't touch most of it. You know, they just, they aren't qualifying borrowers mm. for mortgages at the same level of what the rest of us have to do. So I, I understand where they're coming from, but I still think the training's valuable for them on the compliance side. And so with that is they want to get off the licensing list, and they also want to adjust the high cost test because obviously in those price ranges that for many manufactured homes, they're triggering that eight and a half point threshold. They want to move it to 10 and and do some changes there. So I don't know if they get much attention, but we'll watch that for that community as well. Um, We do have House Bill, I'm sorry, Senate Bill 3521 uh, to make sure that we get on the renewal of homeowners uh, not being taxed on any forgiven mortgage debt. Because I think that was due to expire or did expire through 2014 uh, debt forgiveness, you know, in a foreclosure And so that bill is uh, getting reintroduced to see if we can get that extended. And then, of course, we have the bill back on the table that's been out for the last few sessions of Congress, House Bill 658, to try and amend how the points and fees calculation test is done to get the affiliate bona fide third-party affiliate fees removed from that points and fees test. So you can see a few special interest uh, bills out there, but nothing 
hugely um, impactful. I think I will want to give folks a heads up. FHA does have a comment period open for one of their requirements for DE underwriters. And they want it to be clearly stated that a DE underwriter must have a minimum of three years full-time experience reviewing credit applications and uh, within the past five years. So I know a lot of folks try and get a DE on staff when they want to get into the FHA business. And a lot of times they'll find someone who's been out of it for five years or who hasn't been mm-hmm. underwriting for a while. Uh, so folks might want to look at that and help FHA come up with some alternatives so it isn't such a bright line as in case you need to expand your FHA team in a hurry. I think that particular rule could be a pretty hard bright line in some cases uh, to expand if you run into growth challenges. Um, CFPB also has a that's proposed a, rule out there. Yeah, comments are due by March. I was going to say that was a that's a yeah. really good the good point, Alice. Is that yeah. for some companies, especially people that go home and have babies, or go home or and have to come back to into the market, or want to come back to the market as an underwriter, um, you know that that's that's a really important consideration that you raise right there. People, we need to encourage FHA to reevaluate that. So that's your assignment for the week change FHA on that one, or at least say to get them to make that one sense. So come back and yeah, tell us and how you it, did last, next week. And that, and it's a good point, too, I guess, to remind folks, this isn't a formal proposed rule, in a sense. It is sitting in their edit process, what they call, mm-hmm. you know, their drafting table for the revisions in the new 4000.1. So the 4155 that we've known for 30 five, 40 years is going to be retired and it's going to be, everything's moving into the 4,001. So they're making these kind of little minor text changes without running them through a, a proper rules process, process that they can yeah. and for minor changes. So folks really should watch these little nuances in the wording. I, I agree that I, I think there's some softer wording that can be in here. Maybe if you say, um, or they've had equivalent training, you know, soften it a little bit so it's not such a bright line. Because uh, right now lenders yep. do have a lot of way to add their own DE underwriters through uh, their own certification process. <laughs> so uh, get that done because that is next week. Actually, when's the 22nd? Well, you know, we have a little, we have two weeks to get that done. Yeah. And then yep. a CFPB, the last thing I'll bring up is they do have a proposed rule out. Also, comments are due by March 15th. They are looking at making the definition for small creditor larger. So right now a small creditor is 500 loans. They want to move that to 2,000 loans. Uh, so that's a game changer, too, for some of you competitively. Take a look at that rule and comment if you feel uh, for or against that one way or another. I'm I'm not going to have an opinion on that one in particular. I can see the advantages on both sides. <laughs> so I'm going to uh, let the markets fight that one out. <laughs> so, yes. Anyway, that's, uh, I'll pass it back to you, Dave, because I know we have some great stuff to talk about with Andy on the um, proposal know. slash looks like it's coming anyway. <laughs> Um, (laughs) (laughs) changes to uh, FIFA's uh, standards for Fannie Freddie approval. Yes, 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 yes. Interesting stuff. Alice, good so much. Good good report. Always appreciate so much your uh, contribution. So many people comment about there. They go, I have to go back and listen to Alice's segment over and over and over to get it all the notes taken. Folks, we're going to be well, right back. Fast, We've got we have Sam. time for Andy. <laughs> I know it. Yes, yes, yes. So we're going to be right back after this brief break with Sam Garcia. And then we're going to get into it, the Profit Doctors. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. 
if you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization. Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. It's good to have you with us, everybody. We have Sam Garcia with us. He is uh, the present founder of um, Mortgage. What do we got here? Come on, it's MortgageDaily.com, and I Mortgage Daily. I was going to. I blew it one time. Now I, I got paranoid after that one time and missed saying it. And so it is MortgageDaily.com. Sam, good to have you with us. Check out the website www.mortgagedaily.com. Sam, what's the headlines that you're tracking? Well, you know, right now we're in the middle of the earnings season, um, yes. and what we've found so far from the reports we've analyzed is that, in general, mortgage originations didn't change a whole lot between the third and fourth quarters. But we did find a couple of players who actually did push volume higher between the two quarters. Uh, at the top of that list was just who you just mentioned, Quicken Loans. Uh, Chase yeah. also pushed volume higher. Guild Mortgage, New American Funding, SunTrust, and also United Wholesale uh, pushed their volume up on a quarter or over quarter, quarter basis. Um, we uh, put out the Mortgage Market Index last Friday. Of course, we do that in conjunction with Optimal Blue. And we found that a mm-hmm. new mortgage activity dropped 9% last week, uh, which is kind of unusual because there really wasn't any holiday. But on the other hand, there kind of was, and that was the Super Bowl. We've actually found that the yeah. Super Bowl has an, has an impact on commerce because people seem to behave like they do during the holiday season. So, uh, you know, I suspect that's what the issue was, why we fell last week. Um, The biggest hit last week was taken by jumbo mortgages. They fell 12%. And then on the other side, uh, we've got FHA business, which only fell 6%. That was the smallest decline of all the categories. And the third week we've seen FHA outperform everything else. So uh, those lower premiums are really kicking in the nice. Um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics on Friday put out their employment numbers, and right. uh, as Joe mentioned, but what we focus on, of course, is the mortgage staffing, uh, mortgage employment numbers. Those increased by 300 jobs in December, and I think an increase is better than a loss, even if it's that small. So yep. now the yep. uh, the non-bank mortgage uh, employment sector stands at around 288,000. What what was interesting in uh, the December numbers was that real estate jobs, that's how one segment of the mortgage industry is classified, dropped, whereas uh, uh, broker jobs increased. So brokers uh, kept jobs increasing overall, uh, even though we had some of the bigger players or non, non-bank, uh, non-broker uh, lose some employment. We, we put out our estimate um, based on the the BLS numbers plus our own uh, analysis of market share. And we estimate that at this point, there's around 640,000 people in the mortgage business, including people at banks and credit unions. Um, We see that uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association put out their mortgage credit availability index, and it increased in January, which uh, indicates that credit was slightly looser in January. the report indicated that expanded LTV ratios at Fannie and Freddie contributed to the easing. But still, you know, just to keep things in perspective, the index stands 87% lower than it did in 2006, just to give you an idea of how mortgage credit conditions stand versus where they did pre-crisis. 
Um, agency issuance, we saw that uh, overall agency mortgage-backed security issuance was down 6% in January from December, and that decline was uh, mostly, the, or it was the result of a decline at Fannie Mae. Um, Another thing we saw was that the Federal Reserve put out their uh, senior loan officer opinion survey, and what we saw uh, in that report was that there was a range of residential loan products where demand has dropped or weakened. So that's what bank executives are saying in that survey, and that's a pretty well-watched survey. And then one last thing uh, we uh, covered last week that's interesting, we think, is uh, Interthinks put out its Mortgage Fraud Risk Index report, and they actually put it out for the third quarter, um, and it shows that fraud risk was down 2%. And one thing that they pointed out was that – the ability to repay rule has actually reduced the risk of fraud uh, as far as employment and income fraud. So uh, it actually had a good effect. I know a lot of people probably aren't happy about that that are in the industry, but that is one nice uh, little factor uh, as far as a result of what's happened from that role from the CFPB. It is uh, really interesting, the the impact that some of these regulations have had, you know, it's hard to argue with the fact that they have achieved some of their desired objectives. Although, like you said, not everyone in the industry has appreciated what they how they went about to achieve their objectives. So does the uh, means justify the end, or the end justify the means? I mean, that's uh, one of those things. So anyway, Sam, good to have you. Good, good, concise, concise update on what's going on. It's a publication. You every time you, more and more people are writing me, Sam, say, Dave, I now see why you have Mortgage Daily on there. Good contact. Tell Sam he's doing a good job. Really interesting stats. I'm checking out their website. So. Good to know that some of our listeners are checking you out, Sam. Good reason for them to do it. If you have it, go check it out. Great feedback, man, and I really appreciate being on the show, Dave. You're doing a good job. Well, I love having you on, getting the statistics, That's the the stats. There's many things you provide more than that. People encourage people to check it out. www.mortgagedaily.com or call Sam at 214-521-1300 or Sam. Garcia at MortgageDaily.com. Sam, thanks so much. Have a great rest of the week, friend. Appreciate you. Thank you. You bet. Profit Doctor. Always love having the Profit Doctor with us. Uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to your segment we're going to be getting into. I wanted to find out, looking, I want to reserve as much time as possible for that. And, and Andy, so one of the things I know I want to, if you wouldn't mind, just, I want you to talk about the webinar coming up. You talk about back by popular demand. It's like back and back and back and back. How many times have you done the accounting <laughs> webinar for the MBA? I mean, this is your fourth, oh, fifth, sixth time? It's it's at least six. Yeah, I think it's six, maybe even seven. So we've done this a number of times, and, and yeah, it, it's a it's a good primer for mortgage accounting. And anybody, actually, any business owner in mortgage should understand some of the basics of accounting. So our, our series runs for Four weeks, starting uh, next week, Thursday on the, the 19th of February is our first session, and the first session is, is fairly basic, and then from there it, it expands. And it's kind of like going from from uh, basic math to algebra to trigonometry to calculus in four weeks. And so if you, if you don't and that's cover meant the... To, and, and you say that it's meant to entice people into it? <laughs> you should say something. It will like, allow you to expand your understanding of accounting so you can make more money. You don't relate it to trigonometry. Guys like me will just run. So it's really valuable, people. Even though he does this trigonometry calculus analysis, which will keep some of us running, 
You want to run to this webinar, not from it. So sorry, Andy. I, oh, I got to help you in that marketing phrase a little bit. <laughs> Your thanks, marketing thanks, analogy. Dave. Well, I'm trying to convey the the point that it's 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 complicated, and don't underestimate it. it is. Every mortgage company has to deal with this, and just because it's hard doesn't mean you don't do it. I mean, just because it's difficult right. doesn't mean you don't have to understand it. So it's not not everything in mortgage banking is easy. I mean, think about well, trying to learn all the investor products for the first time. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a complicated industry, and I think you raise a good point. It, it's, uh, you know, some people say well, the calculus is not something I'll ever use again, but accounting is. And you're going to use calculus, I mean, you're going to use accounting no matter what if you're in this business. And the more you have an understanding of it, and this is, again, you, you do get into the weeds a bit, but it's really still very broad. And the feedback, the MBA would keep having you back. Now on your sixth or seventh time, it looks like on an ongoing, reoccurring basis. If there wasn't the feedback and value being uh, told to the MBA that this is really a good seminar, I've, I've helped you with it in the past. You got uh, Teresa yeah. working with you on the, the M. But that's but it's interesting since my involvement stopped. You took a six session webinar and reduced it down to four. So, I mean, I think that's right. <laughs> Is there a message there? I don't know. Anyway, anyway. Well, actually, it went down to, to three at first, and then we expanded it back to – yeah, it went down to three, and then we expanded it back out to four. But the, 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 I guess when I, when I talk about the complexity, the, the, the harder sessions are in about hedging. We get into yes. the details of hedging, how it works, why it works. People have been listening to the Profit Doctor segment to hear about where rates come from. Well, this will – expose all of that. I mean, we go way into TBA, MBS securities, and short positions, and, and hedging dynamics, and negative convexity, and applied volatility, and duration matching. And this is stuff that your secondary marketing people throw around all the time. If you want to know what those words mean, and where they come from, and how they're Great used, job. attend this session. Now, that is a marketing <laughs> – folks, that's a lesson. Do you see a little coaching consulting did, and he turned it around, and now that one has every originator going, you know what, now I, now I know why I need to listen to it. Good job. Good, good twist. Yeah, good it's turn. all about the why. You know, it's if we don't have a Victoria's Secret model, model to be on the screen, then we're going to have to come up with some other way to entice people. Yeah, I don't think uh, that, that I don't think that was going to work for accounting, but you know who knows? They may try at some point in time. Good stuff, Andy. I'm looking forward to that webinar. I encourage people to get to know it again. What's the date that that starts? February the 19th. Go go to um, mba.org and click on education, or go to mbaeducation.org. It's uh, go to upcoming webinars and uh, upcoming uh, presentations, upcoming educational opportunities, and you'll see it there. It's the uh, uh, mortgage accounting series, number one, drilling into accounting. And if you don't know much about mortgage banking, accounting, uh, then you need to attend this first session because it's really, really important. And, and what it does, Dave, is it gets into building the foundation to be able to know some really important answers to questions like, what's my profit per originator? Not just volume. We don't yep. want to know volume by originator. Everybody knows that. We want to know profit by originator and yes. profit by product, yes. profit by branch. So those are those are essential elements for success in the future, and you have to know that stuff. And you can't get it unless you have loan level accounting, and you won't have loan level accounting unless you drill into accounting and understand the content we're going to have in our webinar. Folks, in, that's why you need to get sign up for that. Very good. Looking forward to that. And I can't wait to get into the hot topic segment, profit doctor. So we're going to put the rest of your segment into the hot profit. Uh, the, into the uh, hot topic set because a lot of people are dialed in and listening to this, Andy. 
and want to understand about the new capital rules and uh, it'll be very, very fascinating. So, folks, we're going to be right back after this brief break with the FHFA New rules, financial rules for non-banks. That means independent mortgage bankers. Stay tuned. Right back. Mortgage Banking Solutions is the preeminent management consulting firm to the residential mortgage lending industry. No other firm in the U.S. offers the menu of services or the level of expertise to the industry. If you're looking for help converting from best efforts to hedging or need help with bookkeeping to know your profit per loan, if you are interested in making the transition from broker to banker, or if you just need a roadmap for success, Mortgage Banking Solutions' primary focus is to enable executives to take their business to the next level and guide them down a path towards success and profitability. With over 300 combined years of experience in all facets of mortgage lending, the Mortgage Banking Solutions team of professionals has the expertise and know-how to help you accomplish your goals. New warehouse lines of credit, broker-to-banker transitions, transitioning to hedging, financial and accounting services, or meeting your capitalization needs. If you need help with these or any other aspects of your business, please contact the Mortgage Banking Solutions sales team to see how we can help you at 512 It's 512-977-9900. Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Good to have you with us, everybody. We've got Andy Schell, the Profit Doctor, as our special guest. Now, here's a little interesting. For some of you people say that you keep running out of time at the end of the broadcast, so I have actually set this broadcast to go 90 minutes. We're going to keep it to a pretty close to 60 minutes. But if we go slightly beyond, from this point on, folks, we're not going to lose that recording. A lot of people say, Dave, it just cuts off right in the best part. Don't cut it short. Leave it go a little longer. So we do have this thing now recording up to 90 minutes. We're going to try to keep it to 60 minutes, everybody, uh, for the whole broadcast. So we've got some time here, Mr. Shell, uh, Profit Doctor. Glad to have you with us. Thanks, Dave. And um, also, I want to say one other thing before we get into that is Sam talked about 288,000, I think, non-bank employees, uh, people employed in the mortgage industry. It's interesting. Our, I just looked at our listener statistics. We've now up to 367,678 downloads of our broadcast. That is astounding. More people have downloaded than our sub- by those numbers that Sam talked about are employed in the industry. So interesting stuff. Good stuff. All right. Everybody's listening more than once. Yes, everyone's listening more than once. So, yes, obviously that number is unique one-time listens. But, uh, hey, folks, I'm just really excited about this broadcast because um, we bring information. Now, what we're about ready to get into is the uh, uh, FHFA, the overseer of uh, Fannie and Freddie, has come about and issuing some new rules, proposed new rules. But it sounds like, Andy, these rules are – it's proposed, but it's kind of like – it's it's more like it's on a train. It's coming. So <laughs> well, let's like first Alice of all said, state the, the. Yeah, go ahead. Like Alice said in the pre-call, that there there's nothing here about comment periods. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and we're referencing the document that's straight from the FHA FHFA dot gov a site under policy programs research policy pages. So this isn't it's it's been in the news. A lot of people have posted it. But we're going to be talking um, and referencing this straight from the authentic original document at the FHFA site, where where, where there's no reference to a a, a comment period, as Alice pointed out earlier. So if there's no reference to a comment period, what does that mean? 
That means that this is coming. It's proposed, which means we'll just decide when we're going to implement it. So very interesting. Well, let's get into it. Explain, Andy, what this is about. Uh, from what your reading is, give you, know, you do such a good job of breaking down the complex and making it easy for uh, people to grasp. So if you could go there. Let's, let's first of all explain, what is this generally? What does this do? Well, the, a big picture perspective on this, at least from the FHFA's perspective, is they are creating an alignment in the financial requirements. The capital, the net worth requirements of companies are, are, are measured, and the way that they're measured between mortgage companies and commercial banks have been different. So this proposal is going to create an alignment of the financial eligibility requirements for both non-banks and um, banks who are seller servicers for the um, agencies for Fannie and Freddie. So this new proposal is, you know, it's coming. It's They're talking about implementing in spring of, or the first quarter of 2015. So this is happening. It's happening right away. It's happening now. And it's a, I think it's a little bit of a shot across the bow uh, for mortgage companies as a whole. While, while, because they're talking about the alignment of financial requirements, a leveling of the requirements. We've heard Richard Cordray talk about leveling the playing field, referencing independent mortgage bankers and depositories. So we're seeing this continuing trend of making the standards and requirements for non-banks and commercial banks as the same. So if we read our, our tea leaves a little bit, we start to think about that, well, you know, while this proposal is specific to non-depository sellers to Fannie and Freddie, and we need to talk about what it means to people who are Fannie and Freddie sellers today, I think that it doesn't take much of a leap to think that, well, some of this will soon be applicable to all non-depositories, non-depository mortgage lenders. And they even reference in the question and answer section of this document that we're reading that the state banking supervisors are currently evaluating how to apply these standards to non-bank entities. So I think it's coming. I think it's important for people to understand this even though it may not be applicable fully to you today, if you're if you're a best efforts originator and you sell to the aggregators, it will at some point. Sometime this is going to matter. Yeah. So let's just understand yeah. it now. Good point. So the, the, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Really interested well, to explain what what are the primary tenets of that. Let's talk about the what are the break it down a little bit for us. Well, the the basic element of this is there. There's really three components and there's a net worth a calculation and then there's a capital ratio and a, a, anytime we talk about the word ratio it's one thing relative to another and so a minimum capital ratio is one of the requirements and then also minimum liquidity so liquidity references uh, your access to cash or things that can be converted quickly into cash so they're wanting more non-depositories to have requirements of a minimum amount of net worth, and net worth is also referred to as capital or stockholders' equity or members' interest. I mean, there's a bunch of different words, but they all mean the capital of the company. So minimum net worth is the 
the technical definition is assets minus liabilities is your capital. So in right. this case, mm-hmm. when they when they talk about net worth, they're saying that the minimum net worth is going to be two and a half million, which that's kind of what it is already, plus twenty five basis points of the servicing portfolio that's being serviced. So it's two and a half million plus twenty five basis points. So that's the net worth number, whatever that is. Two and a half million, three million, five million, whatever the number comes out to be. Now here's the trickier part. The capital ratio. And again, capital ratio means capital, which is net worth. They could have said minimum net worth ratio, but here they used two different words to reference the same thing. But what they're talking about under the capital ratio is uh, a, a subset of net worth called tangible net worth divided by total assets. So that's where the ratio comes in, because it's net worth divided by total assets. But it's not just regular net worth. It's not just everything that's in there where you take assets minus liabilities. It's called tangible net worth. And it's kind of a, a big mm-hmm. word, and it means mm-hmm. something very, very specific in accounting. Because there's tangible assets, and if something's not tangible, then it's called intangible. That N word, like yep. famous or infamous, it's the opposite. <laughs> tangible versus <laughs> yes, <laughs> my misuse of that. In the past. <laughs> so, intangible assets are things that are non-physical. It's not like a, a building or a pencil or something that you can touch. Non-physical assets, and it's usually things that have a life greater than a year. In mortgage banking, some of the most common areas of intangible assets are goodwill and mortgage servicing rights, MSRs. MSRs are non-tangible. They're intangible assets. There's other things that are intangible assets like patents and copyrights and a bunch of other stuff. But for mortgage companies, for the most part, what we care about in looking at this is goodwill and mortgage servicing rights. So real quick, without getting too too detailed, because I don't want everybody's eyes to roll back in their head, when we start talking about net worth or our capital, when, whenever we have our mortgage servicing right asset, it means that we recognized that amount of money as income, and by recognizing that as income, it became part of our capital. So when we do this analysis for the FHFA, we're going to have to take our, our net worth, and then we're going to have to subtract from that the intangible assets, which in mortgage companies are going to be you have to take your $20 million net worth, subtract goodwill, and subtract mortgage servicing rights. Whatever those balances are, come right out of your net worth calculation, and then you divide it by total assets. And in this case, the new requirement is 6%. So I'm not going to spend much more time on, on that, but just the point is to remember Net worth divided by total assets. So now instead of looking at our measure of capital based on a multiple of um, capital to get to our borrowing base, so I should I should describe that too. You want to yes. jump in here any second, Dave? I feel like I'm starting no, to ramble on about that. You're, you're laying the foundation, and I'm for. I hope everyone else is doing the same thing. I'm writing notes feverishly as you're talking. And then we're going to get over to Joe, and then we're going to go to Alice with some questions. So I'll get them ready to be teed up. I'm going to go to them next. No, this is good. So go into what you were about to start there. Okay, so I'm going to go into a little bit more about capital, and then I'm going to hit liquidity very quickly, mm-hmm. and then we can talk more about yes. what this really means. 
So yes. today, most warehouse line lenders measure a mortgage company's ability to borrow based on their net worth. And most of the mm-hmm. time, they look at tangible net worth as the measure of how much they will lend. So we're okay with that because this new rule is going to be tangible net worth. Most of our warehouse line lenders already require a tangible net worth certificate. So that's not going to be that, good, that big of a deal. What warehouse line lenders do is they'll look at your tangible net worth and they'll say, we'll lend you up to 15 times your capital base. So if you've got a million-dollar yep. net worth, then the warehouse line lender will lend you up to $15 million at any one time. And then you can use that. You can turn the warehouse line as fast as you can, originate a loan, sell a loan, borrow again, sell that loan. You know, some of our clients are running warehouse line turn uh, ratios at like one point two to 1.5 times per month. There have been times in the past during refi booms where we saw clients using warehouse lines up to two times or two and a half times, sometimes even three, so people have said. So anyway, we've got our our capital times 15 equal our borrowing ratio. So now we're going to turn it around a little bit because the FHFA is talking about a capital ratio, which they're saying is 6%. So let's just quickly convert that, the $15 million in borrowing based on a million-dollar capital. So if you do the math, it's really 15 times is 6.66%. So currently, warehouse line lenders are requiring a capital ratio that's higher than the new requirement from the FHFA. So I think, okay. oh, okay, well, that's not so bad. The, the the new proposed rule at 6% is actually a less capital ratio than currently what the most banks require at 15 times capital is 6.66%. So we think, okay, well, that's not so bad. So let me, let me hit just briefly on the one place where this could be bad, and that is some warehouse line lenders will let mortgage companies uh, borrow 15 times on their line and then also – let them borrow up to whatever their limits are with other banks as well. So some mortgage companies during the the height of a refi wave will borrow from several banks, two or three, sometimes even four banks, simultaneously, and from each bank could potentially borrow up to 15 times capital. If that happens, when that happens during refi waves, or when if the company is currently doing that, if you're borrowing 15 times from several mortgage com- several uh, warehouse banks to fund your mortgage activity, that's going to be the problem because that's going to be exceeding the 6% yeah. limit. If you're if your borrowing ratio of total liabilities or borrowing liabilities warehouse lines relative to your capital is more than 15 times, 20, 25 times back in the heyday in the two, early 2000s, I saw people with 50 times you don't see that today, right. but if you've got multiples no. of 15 times running around, you're going to get capped on how much you can borrow. That can, can that can create pricing issues. It can create delivery issues. It, you know, there's all kinds of um, yeah. The ramifications of that are fairly significant. We need to point out this is for this is currently FHFA or the Federal Housing and Finance Administration, which oversees Fannie and Freddie. So this is applicable to Fannie and Freddie companies exclusively at this time. However, you brought up a good point. CFPB is considering this, looking at this. It's logical to think that they're going to put this in as a rule 
use this as a model here and then make it across a whole industry. So that, that's, that's, it's important that we keep this in context of where, where it's going in initially, but where this could go. And I think that's an important point. You mentioned it earlier. I want to restate that. So today, exactly. So today, if you're a Fannie Freddie seller servicer, you have multiple warehouse lines. You use every warehouse line to some degree, and you have 15 times caps on all of them. And if you get above 15 times in total, then yes, you're going to be capped. And so when this comes out in early 15, which is now, which is coming up, within the next yep. six months or less, this is going to affect you. If you're currently a Fannie Freddie seller servicer with multiple warehouse lines, this could affect you immediately, very, very could. soon. Yes, so yes. It could. Yes. If you're and, borrowing. And, yeah, and if, if and here's a here's a point I want to interject on this. For those that are selling to companies that are approved to Fannie Mae, you, all of a sudden you need to who, know who you're selling to and have some idea about where their net worth is, where the ratios are at, capital ratios are. So if you're aware because you're funding a loan and having them buy it. What if they don't? Where they're not aware of this? Have them listen to this broadcast and make them aware of this and ask them: Are my, are you fine? Do I have to worry about you funding a loan in their feet? in the future because of these limits. So very interesting stuff and something we need to be That's paying close point. attention to. That's yeah, a great point. If you're point. selling so to a non-depository yeah. aggregator, they could get capped. Yes. So Exactly. I think – that's they could get capped, so everyone needs to care. Let's run over to Joe. I'm looking at the clock, and I knew there was never going to be enough time to cover this, but we do. Yeah. We can go a little bit beyond the one o'clock hour. So let's go, Joe, and cut, ask, raise the questions, your comments on this, and then your questions. Well, a quick comment. Uh, according to the FAQs on this website, the new requirements will be effective uh, six months after they issue the final, which they think will happen sometime in the second quarter. So just just to clarify that. Okay. Then uh, a question for Andy, because I don't know the answer to this. Do warehouse banks currently allow some value uh, for servicing to be in your calculation of capital? And is that going to be different under this requirement? Well, some do. Some do. Most require tangible net worth. So right out of the gate, that means all MSR comes out. And so that's what the rule's requiring, that the new rule is, as you know, Joe, as a CPA, That's... tangible only. So all MSRs are going to come out. And so all this is going to weigh very heavily on the decision of the you know small to medium-sized mortgage banker to try to begin to retain servicing, which, uh, uh, as you pointed out, has, uh, has real different uh, potential returns. It does, and that's some interesting modeling. I think that at the end of the day, it's still going to be worth it. Uh, to keep it, and because the intrinsic value is greater than the market value, and even though there are tangible net worth calculation implications from this, that's fairly straightforward to model this out. But I, I don't think we I don't think we should use rule of thumbs. Let's let's think through it, understand it, model it, and then make a, a wise business decision. Let's not run because of this either. Let's not not be afraid, and and just turn tail and say, oh, my gosh, I can't do it anymore. I'm not going to hold any more MSRs because of this. That's that's not the right answer either. It's just adding a degree of complexity, but our business is going to continue to be complex, and so we just need to – this isn't that difficult of a calculation. So let's just run the model, figure it out, and then we can make a good business decision about what is best for our business about retaining servicing. Good answer. 
Alice, let's run over to you looking at the clock. Any questions or any comments first, Alice, and then any questions for Andy? Well, I guess my, my question for Andy is just if you could summarize in layman's terms, right, because I'm, I'm following, but at the same time, I'm trying to think of loan officers and operations people who might be listening to this, and they're going, should I be worried? And you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier that, you know, it's not really something that's going to completely change a company, but, you know, a uh, quick summary at the end here on what is the stress point? Because it's not like they're changing the actual net worth you have to hit. It's it's in the it's in the weeds. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, that's right. They're not immediately changing it. I think that the really the only stressor would be if you're if you're maxed out on multiple warehouse lines because of whatever reason. Um, if you're if you're maxed out on multiple warehouse lines where you are currently exceeding your 15 times leverage, then and you're a Freddie seller servicer, then this is something to be concerned about. But from we we did a you know we do lots of warehouse reviews for warehouse line lenders, and in the snippet of those that we've sampled, uh, it hasn't been a problem. No one's been really affected by this in the short run. It but there is a potential to be affected by it. But in the short run, I don't. I from the ones that we've looked at, the 20 million dollar plus companies that we've we've reviewed. It's not going to be a problem. It is something, folks, that you've got to keep on your radar. We cannot be ignoring this issue. It's coming, and you should be paying attention. If you're not Fannie Freddie seller servicer, you should be at least saying, who am I selling to? What's their situation? Could this have any impact on my ability to have loans purchased if you're a small you know, some call it a mini correspondent, or if you're selling into an aggregator, you need to pay attention to these numbers. Andy brings up some really good points. Now, Andy, people are going to have a lot of questions. They listen to this broadcast. What is the best way for them to reach you? I know your email, so let's have you give it out, and uh, so people can connect with you. Okay, it's Andy at MBS Mortgage Banking Solutions dash Team dot com. The same as Dave's. You can write bro- David at David MBS Yes, it broke up just slightly. So it's Andy at mbs-team.com. Make sure everyone got that. Thank and you then for the best phone number. You prefer? <laughs> well, it said it so quickly, and I, it may have just broken up in my headset. Uh, not everyone else heard it, but I want to make make sure people have it. And then, if they want to call you with questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Five one two five zero one two eight one two encourage you to get a hold of him. This is one of those topics that we're going to probably talk more about it, the ramifications of it. Uh, it's really interesting because Andy did, along with Chuck Klein, our other business partner, dove into some financials of some companies that we have. And it was interesting. Most are not going to be terribly impacted. Some are. Some got to pay attention to this, especially those that are funding with the, the multiple warehouse lines. You're going to have to pay attention to this. This is not something to be ignored. Andy, good job today. Really appreciate you being on and sharing with our listeners uh, this latest "quote unquote" proposed rule. Sound like Joe says it's proposed, but it's a, it's going to be effective at this date. So, uh, well, it causes mortgage uh, companies to also start thinking. It causes mortgage companies to start thinking about total assets, and for the most part, that's yes. been a number that we haven't really focused on. We focus on maybe loans held for sale, certainly borrowing and cash. We always focus on cash. This is going to cause mortgage companies to understand more about the balance sheet, understand what total assets are, what the composition of total assets are, like owning a bunch of cars would increase your asset base. So that would be bad. You don't want to do that. So now we've got balance sheet configuration 
strategies that we need to think about that we haven't had to really focus on much before because always before what we cared about was warehouse line and capital and cash. Now we got another number that's a bunch of other stuff included in total assets. Good job. Appreciate you being on today, folks. We're going to have another good broadcast next week. We want you to email us with e-suggestions of who you would like to have on, who you'd like to hear about. We're getting an increasing number of those, and it's our listeners. We're doing this for you, so we'd love to hear about it from you as to what you'd like to have on this broadcast. Email me at D or Dave or David. Is it Dave or David? How we have that set up, Andy? I have to double check. It's it. a Dave. But I D think it's Lincoln, David MBS. Yeah, Dave. Uh, Dave at mbs-team.com. I'll get it and look forward to receiving your emails and suggestions. You go, Dave, you don't even know your own email address? I've always been using dlicking at mbs-team.com. So I had to double-check that. that. It's nice to know it. We added that because no one can still looking. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. No one can, yeah. They're always doing – we had someone try to send me an email that says, hey, chicken licking. So, uh, uh, so anyway, it's, it's hilarious, some of the names that they use out there. I love it. We appreciate you, listeners. Thanks for all, all, for all the positive feedback. Alice, Joe, Andy, thank you again for another great broadcast, and I look forward to having you back all next week. Folks, we will be back. Check the website, Looking on Lending, for the latest information, and we look forward to hearing from you. Have a great week, everybody. This has been Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin, of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week, and thank you for listening. 